Hello, and welcome to the Library Coven Year in Review, where we discuss all the things we read, watch, and listen to in this year, 2023, our personal milestones, and much, much more. Everything will be linked in the show notes so you can find things. And with that, I'm Jesse. <laughs> oh, I'm Kelly also. <laughs> <laughs> I figured we needed to say. <laughs> All right. So let's get started with books fiction that we couldn't put down this year. Do you want to start, Kelly? Sure. I listened to the audiobook of Babel or Babel by RF Kuang. Highly recommend if you're into like dark academia or whatever, but that's like actually vehemently anti imperialist and anti-colonialist which like that's what we are here Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I enjoyed that I thought it was good and it gets into like the like what are you actually willing to give up for revolution so yeah just like so I could talk about that book for forever it was so good (laughs) dead collections by Isaac Feldman I think you'd really like this one it's about an archivist who's I think he's a vampire oh interesting he's a trans guy vampire and Hmm. like stuff is happening to the collections that he's working in um, so it's very interesting. Oh, that does sound interesting. It was very quick, cute little audiobook. I, if you can believe it, had never read Toni Morrison until this year. So I listened to Beloved. I haven't either. So you're ahead of me. <laughs> she reads the audiobook. Oh, cool. So that was really cool. But the the volume was like really low. So I had to like have it up really high the whole time. That was my oh. only like thing. Like I just want to hear Toni Morrison's voice. So I'm like turning up the volume as high as it can go. <laughs> Poetry is not fiction, but like I got into Andrea Gibson this year, who is the poet laureate of Colorado now. Oh, nice. They were selected this year and just everything they write is so like earnest and honest. And it's just like nice departure from like discourse TM that is like on all of the social medias or whatever. So yeah, Andrea Gibson got super into their stuff this year. What about you? Okay. I'm just... uh prefacing this now that I just have lists on lists on lists in this year in review as I do every year so we're ready for it (laughs) so we don't have a two-hour episode okay so the only black girls in town by Brandy Colbert this was a middle grade novel I read because I was interviewing the author and it was so so good highly suspicious and unfairly cute by Talia Hibbert is her first YA novel would recommend Legends and Lattes by Travis Baldry. Super cozy, like ogres, goblins, like magical creatures, cozy coffee stuff. Loved it. Nice. Do you know that he's a he's one of the people who's in Critical Role? I don't know what that is. The like big D&D podcast thing. Oh, why would I know what that is? <laughs> I don't know, but it's like a mega famous in the like in the fandoms yeah he's he's um one of the actors who's on critical role i looked up legends and lattes yesterday and it said several months wait so that'll be on my hold for a while (laughs) yeah 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 it's good wildfire by hannah grace people have heard me rant about icebreaker on instagram so this one was much better i read the golden frog games by claribel a ortega it was super cute really excited to see what happens i don't think we'll do more episodes on it because we're not doing series anymore (laughs) that was the witchling series right yes 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 okay love theoretically by ali hazelwood because i love everything she writes and school trip by jerry craft which was the last book in the new kid series which was super disappointing but i also loved it and everyone should read jerry craft (laughs) amazing is that a graphic novel series yeah it is um and it's super fun and the first graphic novel i ever read it was really good it's really sweet good for middle grade um also if you're looking for something 
Amazing. Well, I guess it's not coming out to the end of the year, but I was going to say people could uh, do their holiday shopping, but you'll have to do your 2024 holiday shopping. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Based on Rex. <laughs> what about uh, reread? Did you read reread anything this year? I didn't do a lot of rereads this year. It has been a very busy year for Jesse, which you will see later in the episode. But I did listen to the Love Hypothesis re-listen um, by Allie Hazelwood. I hadn't listened to any of her books on audio before. So that was really fun. Um, because I love that book. And I did re-listen to Akatar, which maybe is a waste of time, but also I was just like in my feelings and needed something cozy and comfortable. So it was a good choice. A comfort listen. Yeah, exactly. I, both of them were. I think I listened to the Love Hypothesis and Akatar back to back. So it was the times. <laughs> what about you? At first I thought I didn't reread anything. Then I realized that I had accidentally listened to The Heart Principle by Helen Huang again because I forgot that I had read it in mm -hmm. print before. <laughs> so I got it on audio and I was like, mm, this is like sounding kind of familiar. I'm remembering these hits, like <laughs> these, these emotional points. I'm like just hungry for more autistic, mad, chronically ill, disabled protagonists. Yeah, Helen Huang does write uh, autistic protagonists. She uses the mm -hmm. Asperger's verbiage, which is something that I'm... I guess like the autistic communities are kind of moving more away from just because it gets it's like in this high functioning versus low functioning, which is like a super ableist conception anyway. It's like people aren't like more or less autistic because they can like mask effectively and aren't read as like weird or whatever to neurotypical people or neuroconforming. There's there's like a lot of discourse about. Yeah neurodivergence and things like that online so I was just like I want more autistic protagonists please that would be great and up to that point I might like re-listen to the Brown Sisters series because Talia Hibbert you mentioned her already but uh yeah. so good yeah at writing protagonists that aren't this like wrongly presumed default you know what I mean yeah yeah on that note, as we move into new authors discovered, you might really like Chloe Lee's, um, the Wilmot Sister series. They are romance books, but I think at the first book, the main character is on the autism spectrum. And then on the second book, the main character has ADHD and like the male main character has chronic migraines. So it's just interesting to see people with different kinds of disability um, in the books. And I really enjoyed them. I know um, like I was talking to someone else about them and they didn't really like the way they were written, but I really enjoyed them. And I listened to the audiobooks of both of those. Um, the first two books in the series nice. and then Han Hannah Grace was new to me as well um, I started with Icebreaker which got really popular on TikTok which I could talk about for hours about like some of the discourse around that Ooh. but <laughs> I did not really love the first book but the second book was really good I haven't posted a review for it yet on Instagram but it'll probably be up by the time this episode comes out maybe um, <laughs> I'm behind on reviews like by six books so yeah some new authors I really enjoyed this year nice these are new to me so that's exciting. Yeah. <laughs> I've got a long list on this one. Yeah. I got into Catherine May this year for the first time. She's a British author. She's autistic and writes like memoir and stuff like that. She's very like contemplative and like calm presence, very obser observational, reflective sort of things. I also got into Melissa Fabos, who is another memoir author. Her first memoir was called Whip Smart, and it was about her time as a dominatrix and uh, using heroin So, uh, in New York mm. in, in her 20s. And then she's written several other ones also, but just like excellent, excellent writing. And then I've gotten like super into Substack this year. Mm. <laughs> so reading a lot of people's newsletters, which is kind of fun to do. It's like 
I was never that into like blogging or I never had a blog mm-hmm. or anything like that. So it's kind of like narrows the internet down to, yeah, just these like 20 people, <laughs> <laughs> 20 people. Well, these I are a lot of newsletters. I literally, I, I follow like, I, I have like eight, I'm subscribed to like 80 or 90 newsletters on Substack. So I read a oh lot, but, um, but it's just, it's been nice to be like, oh, okay, this is a way that I can be online that doesn't feel like totally overwhelming and overstimulating, <laughs> you know? So these are in no particular order, except for this top one, because it's so good. Marcella Onyango's newsletter, Feel the News, is incredible. She's a, com- a black comedian based in New York. And yeah, she just does like super satirical, but like really fucking on point stuff about the news. Uh, Anna Bronze or Brones, not sure how you pronounce that, Creative Fuel. So I'm like naming the person and naming what their newsletter is, and these will all be linked. Jamie Attenberg's Craft Talk, Aisha Khan's Cosmic Anarchy, Jesse Meadows' is Sluggish, Bailey Richardson has a really cute one called Art Dogs, where she'll like literally post about an artist and their dog hmm. on a weekly or bi-weekly basis. It's very cute. <laughs> it includes um interesting one about Kurt Vonnegut and his dog's Margaret Kiljoy, Birds Before the Storm, Margot Feldman, Carescapes. You might know Margot from the softcore trauma meme page um, that got pretty big uh, during the pandemic. Becca Lee's The Haunted Librarian, hilarious post about the whole like Titanic rich people tourism voyeurism sh- debacle. I forget what that friggin' thing was called that blew up underwater, but. Oh, yeah. Um, the, po- the post she did about that was like so good. Bahira Rosine, How to Cure a Ghost. Nate Stevenson, I'm fine, I'm fine, just understand. I like his because he's a graphic novel artist. So his are like little illustrations, which is cool. Laura Kay from Normal Island News, another super satirical, super hard-hitting left-wing anti-imperialist like satire news satire from mm-hmm. Britain from the UK like the posts that she's been doing about Palestine have just been like so frigging good like no holds barred Fanny Priest resourced Marley Grace Monday Monday I've been reading their stuff for a long time Luca J Davis I love love anything is possible and Chris Latre hardcore recommend an irritable irritable meti I did a uh, writing workshop with Chris Latre a few years ago in the summer and with uh, the Free Flow Institute, which I uh, highly recommend y'all check out. But it was so good. Can't recommend enough. Very good. Nice. You have a lot. I cannot believe you subscribe to so many newsletters. It's and this is like the top. This I, I was like, <laughs> OK, this is what floated to the top for me. And I can't recommend 80 sub stacks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, you can put it in the show notes, but it's going to be a lot of links to find. <laughs> I know. I'm going to, I was just like, I can't link to these right now. I'll do it in the, I'll do it afterwards. Yeah. 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 What about our, our villains for the year? I mean, I feel like it's the same every year. Like, I don't even know if we need this anymore because it's like racism. I know. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sexism. Um, ignorance around gender nonconforming folks looking at you go with the flow, um, which I will not link. What does that mean? I think it's. A shitty book um it's a graphic novel oh. about periods and it's not very good um would not oh. recommend <laughs> but uh i was i was shocked uh because it's got like lots of hype but anyways yeah i feel like things don't change very much from year to year for us five years of doing this and i feel like they've stayed the same yeah yeah i think i'm like more anti-empire now than i've ever been before with everything that's going on in palestine but so that's another thing i would add but yeah maybe we you can tell that we like wrote this template a while ago and have yet to revisit it (laughs) (laughs) 
fave ships of the year i read so much romance this year like y'all don't even understand uh like mostly romance outside of like podcast school slash like Uh uh-huh uh, reviewing. Um, and I would say that none of the ships really stuck out to me that much. I think I've been reading so many books as like, you know, escapism, um, that most of them have left my brain, but I did just remember a book that I love so, so much. Actually, I don't think I read it this year, but the secret society of irregular witches, which I can like, you know, put back up on everyone's radar. Um, I love that book and I cannot wait for another book from that author. So let me just put that out there as a way of reminding myself. And it's a book I recommended to people who like are interested in cozy romances that don't have like a lot of spice I would recommend that book but it's also just like really great so okay <laughs> haven't read that one before usually I'm like I want like a three to four chili pepper at least and I don't know how many is on this rating but I want all the I want all the chili yeah, peppers yeah. So that's <laughs> I have a hard relate on this answer also listen to a lot of romance and yeah no no ship stuck out for me it's like oh I just want the comforting emotional beat and then yeah. it just like dis- evaporates from my brain after the, I return the book on yeah. Libby, you know what I mean yeah like I need to write like six reviews right now and I was like oh shit I hope I remember all these books <laughs> you'll it's remember I have every faith in you every faith in you <laughs> hashtag true confessions books that we still haven't read slash books we can't wait to read in 2023 what do you got? I was like, <laughs> I was like, lols is even a relevant hashtag anymore. Like I would be the last person who would know as you someone would, who's not yeah. very online. <laughs> um, so you would, I will defer to you on that mm-hmm. one. <laughs> um, I'm just saying here for a little accountability for myself that 2024 is going to be the year that I finally read Ursula K. Le Guin. I okay. have yet to finish a single book of hers and she's like kind of a big deal and a cool anarchist and science fiction and fantasy writer. So I want to, I want to read her stuff and see what the hype's about. Yeah, I'm also partway through a lot of things, as is my nature as a reader. I'm a bit of like a grazer and I can I can honestly be like in 17 books at one time and <laughs> then just compartmentalize them and go and have like a little rotation depending on how I'm feeling. So some that are like standouts for me that I'm excited to finish are How Far the Light Reaches, A Life in Ten Sea Creatures by Sabrina Imbler, The Milky Way by Moya McTeer, and also The Disordered Cosmos by Chanda Prescott Weinstein. What about you? Yeah, if I'm going to be honest, 2024 is going to be like super busy, uh, like (laughs) school wise. Uh, So I am going to set my reading goal this next year low. And so for like true confessions, let me just say that I started Babel and I didn't love it and I feel really bad about it. I do not read a lot of books with like male protagonists and it's just like not my thing. So that book's just Mm -hmm. not for me. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm not going to finish it. That's totally fine. <laughs> it's so long, so I don't blame you. <laughs> and I got like halfway through, and I normally don't give a book that long, but I was like, no, everyone loves this book. But I was just like, you know what? It's not for me. Why am I doing this? So true confession, I'm not finishing Babel. There's um, no HEA at the end, which I know you like. So I do, no. yeah. <laughs> but also do not expect it from RF Kuang. So that was, I went into mm-hmm. it with that. You better, yeah, you go in knowing that there's going to yeah. be carnage. <laughs> yeah. I'm really looking forward to Tempest of Tea by Hafsa Faisal, which we're reading. Um, I need to go ahead and pre-order it because I want a fancy pre-order. Oh, yeah, I do, too. Comes out in February, I think, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, And we're reading it for the podcast in 2024. And Allie Hazelwood has a book coming out, this dual POV called Not in Love. And I think it comes out, it might be in January. Oh my god! Ooh, soon? No, it might be in June. I don't. Not know. soon. I don't remember, but I'm really interested in seeing her write it. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I think the month starts with a J. 
<laughs> but I'm really interested in seeing her write a full book in dual POV because there is like the love hypothesis has one chapter from Adam's perspective, like at the, mm-hmm. like as a bonus chapter. So I think this will be really fun. And I'm really interested to see like how she does that. Cause I really enjoyed her books and like her women in STEM stuff as a woman in go. STEM. <laughs> I'm like, Oh, this is fun. I see this. Some things are different cause she's like more like quote unquote hard science than me. Right. But it's just been fun to see. So I'm interested to see how that goes. Why a fantasy trends in the publishing industry slash the tea. I defer to Jesse on this, but uh, <laughs> yeah. because you know more than me. <laughs> I took like a two month break from social media this year for like the podcast. So I was like kind of out of the loop. I love that for you. Oh my gosh. Yay. More breaks. <laughs> it wasn't for fun. It was because I was like field examining hard, but there's been a lot of book banning and censorship have like really taken center stage in a way. I haven't noticed before and it's been really great to see people really like rallying around authors and books and ensuring that young people have access to books where the characters and the worlds look like them and the worlds that they live in um, but also different perspectives on the world so I've been really appreciate seeing that I'm also seeing a ton of people complain about book talk and the recommendations that happen there and how trash so many of them are <laughs> Zell and I have had a few conversations about this like when it especially when it comes yeah. to romance I know this isn't YA but like I was personally tricked twice into reading books that were so bad like trash but not in a good way mm, <laughs> the writing was just so bad but on the other hand it's been really great to follow black readers and reviewers and see what they recommend and just like Um, And not just black readers and reviewers, but just like broadening my horizons on like different kinds of books and getting recommendations from people and trying to like find who to trust can be really hard on TikTok. But um, if you find someone who's like not a palm colored person, you can usually trust them. Fair (laughs) enough. Fair enough. What about personal milestones? Let's change to non-pod related things. So I passed my field exam and I am officially a PhD candidate. That's exciting. I also have an article that's coming out in April, I think, um, in Publisher Weekly, um, which is like a big deal in my field, like that publication. Um, So I'm really proud of those things. And it's been really, really weird, Um, especially seeing I like I got like review copies of the article and then I'll get galleys soon and then they'll mail me like a physical copy. But it's just been really weird to like see my name in print and something. Ah. It's just like. It's so odd. cool. I literally, I'm like, you can't see me, but I was like doing a hair flip as you were like listing your accolades. I'm like, yes, bitch. Get it. Oh my God. So many good things. So proud of you. Teardrop emoji. So yeah. Good. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> what about you? I'm excited that I'm getting paid to garden now. So becoming the nice. garden fairy of my dreams, <laughs> making it happen, <laughs> becoming a garden gnome. It's my goal. And I'm also excited that I'm, you know, making more visual art and writing more, just like fucking around, dabbling, like have trying to release expectations and unlearn perfectionism and all those sorts of things, you know. And then I've also like have a lot more peace around like autism and transness and gender shit and like the egg is cracked, y'all. Yay therapy and time and like (laughs) space and ditching toxic patterning around overwork and achievement enough to feel some feelings it's not easy, but I guess it's good for me. <laughs> is I, it? Feeling feelings sounds terrible. What's that? What does that mean? That's why we read romance <laughs> books, so I can just be like led along <laughs> by the feelings that they craft. Yep, yep, yep. yep. No, but it's been, it's been a, yeah, a big transition year. 
2023 for sure nice i'm sending you like millennial heart emojis Aww. so there thank you, you thank you <laughs> mm-hmm. all right favorite nonfiction books oh my god i have so many shout out to like all of the garden books that i've been getting from the library love that because you nice. can get like this book that would normally be like i don't know 280 dollars because it's like yeah. massive and has gorgeous photos of gardens from all over the world but you can just get it from your library and enjoy it like ama- amazing 12 out of 10 do recommend <laughs> yeah i said um earlier that i you know gotten more into memoir lately dabbling with some writing here and there so i mentioned melissa fabos and Catherine may earlier girlhood and bodywork the radical power of personal na- narrative by fabos were both amazing another one of hers called abandon me is like sitting in my like on the ottoman in my home library slash living room and it's like staring at me with it's like looming library return date so <laughs> gotta <laughs> make it a note for myself there i also massively enjoyed both wintering and enchantment by Catherine may motherhood by sheila hetty surprised me with how like enthralling it was and how much she like really plays with craft I'm Glad My Mom Died by Jeanette McCurdy was also, I also really enjoyed that book and like it was like fucking harrowing to read, honestly. Page Boy by Elliot Page was also, you know, a good read, illuminating if like a tad longer than it needed to be, maybe like a a bit of a harder edit would have, would have benefited it. But um, those were all good. In the autism subgenre, as it's one of my special interests, (laughs) Unmasking Autism, Discovering the New Faces of Neurodiversity by Devin Price is fantabulous cannot recommend that one enough and then neuro tribes by steve silberman is more about like the history of autism and definitely gets into like asperger hans asperger and his like complicity with the nazi regime and stuff like that so very interesting if you're um into the history of the the neurotype and how it's been diagnosed or whatever and then also neuroqueer heresies by nick walker that one's good for like just straight terminology this person Mm. made it like as a textbook for the courses that he teaches at mm-hmm. um I don't know some university somewhere but that's stuff definitely feels like a primer like a helpful primer that gets into like the overlap between queerness and neurodiversity so recommend that for Interesting. sure I'd never read any less or Leslie Feinberg um who's like infamous transcestor so I just finished up Trans Liberation Beyond Pink and Blue which is a collection of speeches that they wrote in 1997 and they're like super relevant today, like could not be more relevant. And I've been trying to get my hands on a copy of Stone Butch Blues, which is like a, you know, a famous memoir, but it's out of print. So I'm going to hit up either no. uh, Prospector, which is like our library, our like library system. Um, what do you even, what would you call that li- library in person? <laughs> what would you call Prospector? <laughs> there is a name for it. It's a part of a, con- it's like the big consortium that Colorado's. Um, libraries both public and academic use so that they can give books to each other but it also includes mm, Wyoming and Missouri um, so they share their books so that people can get all the books they need it's great Amazing. I okay. miss it so much thank you thank you for explaining <laughs> yeah. that because I was like I don't even know there is a name words yeah. to say <laughs> consortium maybe, maybe I'll hit up eBay we'll see um, but yeah uh, getting into Les Feinberg this book called Inflamed Deep Medicine and the Anatomy of Injustice by Raj Patel and Rupa Maria is like a staple on my night nightstand book stack, you know, that kind of like ebbs and mm-hmm. flows. It gets higher and lower <laughs> and then gets like more precarious. And then I like cull it down a little bit. 
I'm slowly working my way through this book, but like I cannot recommend it enough. Every chapter is a fucking banger and they go by like different systems in the body and it's just like super anti-colonial, anti-imperial and it gets to like the nexus between like why working on individual health is like fucking useless kind of if, if you're like because so many of the issues underlying our individual health problems are systemic and like historical super good book highly recommend i got a cool anthology called make the golf club a public sex forest uh love what a it. title <laughs> it's no but it's it's like literally what it sounds it's edited by lynn carell and jimmy cooper and it's like these people i think it was in outside of minneapolis but i might be wrong there was like a, a public golf course and so then people started being like they don't want this golf course. And so then they made this sign that was make the golf course a public sex forest. And then everyone wanted the sign, everyone wanted the stickers, everything became like a campaign. And then they decided to put out a call for uh, contributions and then made this edited volume, which then all the proceeds are going to some cool collective organization out there. But yeah, it's like creative nonfiction. There's erotica in it. There's historical essays, like all in the context of abolishing the depraved scourge on the landscape that is the golf course. You all can't <laughs> tell that I have a vendetta against golf courses. And now it's now it's very apparent. And then recently read All the Gold Stars, Reimagining Ambition in the Ways We Strive by Rainsford Stauffer, which was like a very, I thought it was like nuanced and sufficiently critical of you know all this striving and like protestant work ethic and all that shit um so that was really good and also finished the deep cut that is uh adult children of emotionally immature parents by Lindsay c gibson very good um but don't don't tread lightly because don't go there if you don't want to find out you're gonna fuck around and then you're gonna find out (laughs) if you read that book okay (laughs) and i am loving i'm in the middle of you just need to lose weight and 19 other myths about fat people by aubrey gordon it's so 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 good it's like so well researched like meticulously researched well cited yeah i'm like learning about why the bmi is total trash and so many other things um about the like very tenuous connection like the whole uh, like craze around the obesity epidemic and why that's like so problematic and hurtful and yeah just like highly recommend highly recommend Okay, I feel like I can take a pretty deep breath now. What about you? <laughs> I read a ton of nonfiction this year for my exam, and I didn't track them all on Storygraph, which was a huge mistake for my stats. But um, <laughs> I really enjoyed More Than a Glitch by Meredith Broussard. Um, this is a book I read for the class I TA for. Um, if you're interested in learning more about why technology is racist, ableist, and sexist, I would highly recommend it. It's super accessible, even if you don't have techno- like a lot of technology knowledge. Like I've TA'd for this class a lot of times, and we read a new book even each semester Um, and this one was really good last year we did algorithms of oppression and the year before that we did design justice so like uh, the person I TA for always picks something really good not all free by Cheryl Knott about libraries and the Jim Crow era was so informative and I love that and I read that for my field exam but I think a lot of our understanding of the library is the libraries as a neutral space um, and like welcoming to all people just not the case Um, it focused on the Jim Crow south which is something I'm trying to like do more about because we don't have a lot of information about libraries in the north during that time but um, it's a good like very very detailed account of libraries in the Jim Crow South so would recommend if you're interested Um, very accessible even if you don't have a library background financial feminist by Tori Dumlap some of the advice is like pick 
peak rich white person privilege um (laughs) but she does include people of color in there um as some like of the people giving advice and i've been trying to just like get on top of my personal finances this year and this book really helped me to better understand like my spending habits which i really appreciated Mm -hmm. i'm looking forward to some books on my tbr by black women about personal finance which i think will also be helpful because there's some of the advice in financial feminists i'm like i can't do that (laughs) that is for white women um (laughs) revolution in our time by kikla magoon was like a super powerful history of the black panther party written for young adults and it it did an amazing job of showcasing the history of the blank black panther party how that history of slavery acted as like a spark for the party and how we see the effects of the efforts made by the bpp play out today so highly recommend that book even as an adult it's so good i gotta get my hands on that one yeah and definitely get the physical book like the i listened to the audiobook but the physical book has lots of pictures in it which i thought were just really helpful blackbirds in the sky by brandy colbert was a young adult novel um, written about the tulsa race massacre which was really good I interviewed her, and when that comes out, I can put it up for people if you're interested. But it was a really good story, and both Revolution in Our Time and Blackbirds in the Sky, like me in tears reading those. They were so good. And oh. finally, um, Racism Without Racist by Eduardo Bonilla Silva, um, which focuses on like racism, like institutional racism. Um, I read that for my field mm-hmm. exam. And I know by the title, it sounds like, ooh, that doesn't sound good, but it's actually really good. Um, (laughs) And I would highly recommend it if you're interested in learning more about institutional racism, but also about some of the ways that black people slash white people think about racism, because there's some big differences there. And there's lots of interviews included, which I really appreciated, so would recommend. (laughs) Nice. All right, let's get to the media portion of the show. (laughs) (laughs) TV and movies. Jesse, what did you watch this year? What were some of your favorite shows? This was just another year of me being shocked about how much I watched (laughs) since we recorded (laughs) last year. And I should note these are just my favorites. So some things didn't make the list, but Jesse keeps a running list, y'all. And I finally took like page out of her book and made a note on my phone. <laughs> so I like cross them off yes. as I go and then just delete all the checked off items once we record this episode and start over. So <laughs> this is everything <laughs> since the last time we recorded. Okay. So first off, bake off. This year I watched Great British Bake Off, and it was one of my favorite seasons. If you haven't watched it already, I'm not going to spoil it because I know some people might wait, but it was just like so good. Um, but I also watched Professional Bake Off and the American Bake Off show and, or American Baking Show, whatever it's called, which is not as good, but it's fine. And then the holiday episodes, like I just love Bake Off. It's just my comfort show, so I will always watch it. Season three of Rami, which highly recommend if you haven't watched it. And I also think it's like very prescient at this time. So go watch it, especially season three. That damn Michael Che. Some people might not like him, and that's fine. But I think it's also mostly white people who don't like him. So it's, I don't care. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Like, get fucked. Um, He's funny and talks about, like, it's um, like a sketch comedy show. But uh, a lot of things, I think, it's meant for black people. So that's also fine. Abbott Elementary, The Last of Us, Never Have I Ever Had Its Final Season, which was super sad, but I loved it. Heartstopper Always dealt with some harder things than it did in the first season, um, but it mm-hmm. was good to like see that expand. Um, Sex Education was in its final season. It ended well. I thought they did a good job wrapping it up. Um, Sex Life of College Girls, fantastic show. Highly recommend. 
Mindy Kaling just I just love her um I know some people don't but also get fucked um (laughs) (laughs) what we do in the shadows always good good omens had a second season which was like a huge surprise because I don't think they were I didn't know they were working on another season and I don't think it got like a lot of advertisement because it came out during the actors and writers strikes but now that that's over I can talk about all my fave shows um yay call the midwife I had like three seasons to watch and I watched them back to back like right leading up to or right after my field exam so it was just like a good comfort show but also I would not recommend watching maybe if you are pregnant or trying to get pregnant because it can be like a huge bummer and I think it would like scare people so you know content warning the great had its final final season was good and very unexpected Queen Charlotte, which is like a Bridgerton spinoff, um, which warning is not as upbeat as the other Bridgerton shows and had me in tears and not the happy kind, but it was really, really good. Shadow and Bone season two. And yes, I am very upset. We will not get more of this show and that they've canceled the Six of Crows spinoff before it even started. I didn't know that. I learned that from reading your notes. Oh my (laughs) gosh. I'm so sad about that. (laughs) It is the Netflix way. Two seasons of a fantasy show and then they're done. But um. Yeah, bummer, right. but they it was can't be bothered. Good. I didn't want Shadow and Bone anyway. I think they should have just done Six of Crows. I'm sorry, but Alina is super boring. And like, I'm really glad they diversified the show. Like, I think that was like such a good thing to do. And I was glad Lee Barkingo mm-hmm. was on on for that. But I was just like, I'm not interested in Alina and her story at all. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> the Rings of Power. I was like really into that show. It was really good and I wasn't expecting it. You season four, which is in it, like this was its penultimate season. So next year will be its last season. Um, no, you should not be in love with Joel Goldberg. And if you are, you should seek some kind of help. Um, <laughs> House <laughs> of the Dragon was good. Emily in Paris. Yes, I know people think it's trash, but also I don't care. This is mostly me saying I don't care if you hate the things I love. They like, can you, they can get fucked. You could, you exactly. could say. <laughs> um, She-Hulk would have been top tier if there weren't these like weird instances of curly hair being deemed bad hair and like straight hair being good hair other than that it was really good um but i was like oh peak white feminism here we go um (laughs) i i noticed that too and i was like what the fuck is this what is going on here aren't we past this it's like 2023 jesus we are not um that was a huge bummer for me but i will watch another season hopefully they just like fix that because that was like otherwise it would have been like at the top of my list but also, I was like, let me put all the people of color shows first because we deserve it. <laughs> <laughs> and with that, <laughs> I turn it over to you. <laughs> okay, so much good stuff this year. Um, I second a lot of your list, especially Abbott Elementary, Bake Off, Heartstopper, The Last of Us, Never Have I Ever, Sex Lives of College Girls, Sex Education, What We Do in the Shadows, and The Rings of Power. Those definitely were standouts from the ones that you listed for me. And so I should note that I'm including things in this like movie and TV section that I watched in 2023. Okay. They're not necessarily yeah. from 2023. You know, oh, I, I did mean? the same because so you're good. <laughs> okay, cool. Because sometimes it's just like the carousel of media just goes so fast. And I want to yeah. be like, no, that there's so much good stuff that just gets like lost in the catalog, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. So I'm just trying to like look at, you know, stuff that I watched. Lovesick. I finally watched it. Jesse's been recommending this show for ages and I had watched part of it, which is like my fucking bullshit that the I Kelly do. Kelly way. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a grazer. Okay. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I finally watched it. It was so good. Hilarious. Just like self-deprecating British humor. I loved it. We got a second season of sort of, 
Um, I think it's on HBO. I love Bilal Baig so much. Just so good. It's it's so good. Somebody Somewhere, Queers in the Midwest. It's heartfelt. It's funny. Just trust me. It's also good. Our Flag Means Death, the queer pirate show of our friggin' dreams. Mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. soft boy shit. So good. Cannot. I, I just, I love it. It's so, so good. I would watch, like, 75 seasons of Our Flag Means Death. Just, like, take these pirates some, <laughs> like, on unending adventures and make it queer. The Bear had a second season, which mm-hmm. I would never recommend this show to Jesse ever. It's on my list, actually, but I'm worried it will be like, actually, I can't watch this. It, you'll be, tr- you might be like triggered. Yeah. It's like intense restaurant mm-hmm. vibes. That's my concern. Which I know isn't your favorite. Um, especially season two gets into like the family trauma and shit. Jamie Lee Curtis plays his like alcoholic oh. mom. Mm, she's on my shit list. <laughs> the acting is like spectacular. It is so good. I've only heard good things reservation dogs had its last season season three i'm finishing it up it'll be on my nose next year (laughs) this this show is just like fucking spectacular and it's just case in point to why you just gotta like pass the mic throw the money to indigenous creators to black creators to like these people who aren't you know white essentially and rich and nepo babies and just like let them tell their own stories because it makes such a difference in the like product that actually comes out of it in the in the work of art that comes out of it you know all the all the recs for reservation dogs new to me is josh thomas who is a gay autistic white australian comedian and he's a new fave of mine this show everything's going to be okay i'm slowly working through it with a friend and it's just hilarious it's so funny it's so queer it's so neuroqueer in general and i'm really enjoying it also enjoy we are here it's like queer eye but draggier Hmm. so that's like a reality show and then i had another one on here but i don't know where it went my partner and i enjoy the glow up which is like a a makeup show Hmm. uh, from the uk and it's it's pretty fun oh maybe i'll watch that it's just like it's just like a comfort watch you know it's just like so low stakes i've gotten real into makeup this year Ooh, then you might really yeah. like it actually like i've learned a lot of uh tricks and stuff and the, the artists are just like so freaking talented and i think that the whole ding dong like the one of the judges has you know how paula hollywood has a handshake or whatever yeah i don't know what the prue equivalent is maybe she's just like not cool enough to have one um <laughs> but like <laughs> there's one judge on here her name is val and she wears the most absurd glasses and her catchphrase is ding dong. So she'll go ding dong, darling. And it's just like oh. hilarious and nonsensical. Odd. It's like, why is there, <laughs> is there any reasoning behind the ding dong? I don't know. So yeah, it's pretty funny. Um, that's, that's my list for this year. It's pretty good. You did pretty good. I'm impressed. You finished this many shows. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, fave movies like last year, I didn't have a, like, I didn't watch a ton of movies this past year, which it's funny because I used to watch so many, um, but I finally mm-hmm. watched Black Panther, Wakanda Forever. I knew it was going to like wreck me. So yeah. um, it was maybe a smidge too long, but did enjoy it. And actually, I watched Across the Spider-Verse like actually just a couple weeks ago. And I would also say that was a little bit too long. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize it was going to end on a cliffhanger and there was going to be another movie. And I, if I knew that going in, I think I would have been a little more satisfied, but I still really enjoyed it. Yeah. Psych 3, this is Gus. We are huge Psych fans in this house. So we have been putting that off and needed to watch it forever. And it was so good. Um, I just love Psych. It is just like ahead of its time in so many ways. Like, 
a black like not sidekick like just also the other main character who doesn't like fall into any of these black like sidekick tropes so um yeah well ahead of its time would recommend if you haven't watched the tv show also and we watched last night in soho i didn't know what to expect i don't know what this movie is um it's an edgar wright movie but it's like horror i'd say it's like pg-13 horror anya taylor joy is in it Mm. and oh someone else really famous oh the guy who was like doctor who and in the crown and House oh, of Matt Smith. Yeah, and Matt Smith's in it. We really love Anya Taylor-Joy. Um, I didn't put Emma on this list because I think I have for like the last two, three years. Um, <laughs> Just assume it's, it's on the list, okay? Forever. <laughs> yeah, but it was good. I mean, content warning for like sexual assault, but um, it was a really good movie and I liked it a lot. And it was very different from the other like very funny Edgar Wright movies. So yeah, I would recommend what you got. <laughs> I thought I had a small list and then I started writing it and I was like, wow, this yeah. is kind of double what Jesse has. So maybe it's not a small list. I don't know. But I, I hear you that like the movies stand out less than the TV shows, honestly, for me mm-hmm. um, often. Some standouts for me were Nimona. Love, love, love this graphic novel. The adaptation, it was like up in the air whether or not it was going to happen because like it had been optioned and then that got like yeah uh, dropped and then it found an, a home somewhere else and it's on netflix available if uh cartoons are your thing but it's it's so freaking good and it's like so trans it's so great the unbearable weight of massive talent was really funny and meta it's, it's on like my list nick cage playing himself and then there's everyone's yeah. the internet's daddy pedro pascal is in it too it was, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it was it was just hilarious and they do such a good job together and then i finally understood the meme of them driving in the car oh my god <laughs> kelly you were so behind <laughs> no, like i but i like understood where the context is from then you know i was like oh i get this yeah yeah yeah. I but the meme it. has come and gone oh i know i know i know that but and i'm like oh i get it now. it's probably showing up on instagram reels like just now so you're fine <laughs> <laughs> well i'm not on there either so it doesn't matter living this was kind of like a sleeper one for me it's very tender and i don't know if you like bill nye the n-i-g-h-y he like played do you know who he is yeah yeah bill nye yeah i love nye. him he's an he's- emma then you might really like this because like this guy finds out that he's uh gonna die and decides to change his life Oh. And he's like very buttoned up and then he's just, yeah, decides he's like, fuck this, even though yeah. it's like been seven, 75 years too late. But still, then he, you know, you do what you can. Exactly. <laughs> so that was like just a very tender, cozy one. I cried. <laughs> Let's see. What else? Dungeons and Dragons, Honor Among Thieves. Uh, was oh, looking forward list. to this one. It was fun. It's very Dungeons and Dragons y. So if you've ever played D and D, then you'll be like, "Oh, the Bard and their shenanigans." And uh, yeah, just um, it was it was really funny. Good special effects, like the CGI. You know, it's like entertaining to watch. Yeah, um, little fantasy escapism. We we love it. I put Fast and Furious ten on here because <laughs> and Lamau in in parentheses because it's like kind of a cheeky one because. Um, the see, I've been watching the series for a long time now, and it just keeps getting yeah, you more have. and more like ridiculous, ridiculous, and also self-aware. So it's like kind of weird, and, and just like how absurd the budgets are, and all the cars, and it's just like, yeah, it's just so silly. So uh, I'll I will always watch a Fast and Furious movie. I put Barbie question mark. Um, <laughs> I haven't seen it yet because kind of white feministy, I guess, and it's like. I don't know, coming out of a main, like, it was never going to be a super revolutionary 
like piece of media you know coming from the like conglomerate that is like the Hollywood right but it was hilarious like I I just thought there were like moments that were really funny and it was like well acted and self-aware and Ryan Gosling is Kenuff it's just like yeah it was so funny (laughs) um mojo dojo casa house like it's just some of it was just like so ridiculous but so good and kate mckinnon's like weird barbie is a standout for sure across the spider-verse also thought it was very good also thought it was kind of long yeah also the menu which i think came out in 2022 ray fines yeah is in it it's on my list. An- anya taylor joy's in it so yeah. it- it's one of those like dark thriller more- kind of right it's like yeah kind of a thriller yeah, I would call it a thriller. There's enough violence to where I would say it qualifies as a thriller. <laughs> but it's it's very good, very like sort of eat the rich sort of thing. And not not sure whether like a comedy special counts as a movie. Does that count as a movie? It's movie length, so I put it here. It's funny, I didn't put any comedy specials online and I've watched a few. <laughs> it's like you could have your own comedy sub sub list, I'm sure. But um yeah. Yeah, twist yeah, yeah. that I have one coming on my favorites list until you find it's out that twist. it's Hannah Gatsby, yeah. so it's not a twist at all. <laughs> So something no, special <laughs> was her latest uh, autistic as fuck, queer as fuck, and thus on brand as fuck. So very good. I enjoyed that one a lot. In another twist, in our fave podcast section, Jesse has, Jesse put something. What's your favorite podcast? I did. Um, I I know this is terrible because like obviously we do this podcast and I really don't <laughs> listen to podcasts. Yeah. But... P1 with Ann Tommy. Nobody else is going to want to listen to this, probably. Um, it's an F1 podcast, and they do, like, a podcast after qualifying, after practice, after the race, after the sprint. And they do, like, they rank the drivers one to ten based on their races over the weekend. Like, mm-hmm. you know, how they raced over the weekend. Yeah. Um, and I disagree with their F1 opinions all the time because, one, they both love Fernando Alonso, who I do not. And they like him way too much. I'm just putting this out there, even though they'll never hear this, but <laughs> Matt and Tommy, your love of Fernando Alonso makes me so angry, but I love you both so much. Um, it's just really fun to listen to two friends who obviously like love the sport and love talking to each other about F1. Um, and I just like love listening through it, to it throughout the season. Like I never miss an episode and it's like really nice because my husband listens to it. He introduced me to them. And so then we both like listen to the episodes and then we talk about it and it's like so fun. And they actually like had a different podcast before and they sold it to like this big company called The Race, um, who I follow for like F1 News. Mm. Um, And then they went off and like did this new podcast and it's been like super, super successful. So I'm like really happy for them. And if you're interested in F1, um, it's really fun to listen to them and they're really funny and like also to listen to people like fanboy for them because it's two guys um about the sport that i also love it's just like so fun and also i don't want to listen to americans talk about it and they're both english um and it just feels right to me so um (laughs) i don't know why red flag podcast is also good i didn't put it on here because i only follow them on tiktok um but they have some like fun hot takes there too american dudes but they also have some like women who do stuff with them but anyways yeah p1 with Van tommy it's top tier f1 content and they also do twitch streams during the races which i don't watch um because i don't want to have like so much stuff up but seeing their reactions to like wild things happening during the race i see they put the reactions up on tiktok and i'm just like oh my gosh you guys are just the best and i love them Aww. so there's my like <laughs> they'll never hear this i hope but <laughs> <laughs> but I love you guys and ugh, makes me so happy. It sounds like 
yeah just one of those like podcast strong points where it's like you essentially get to like voyeuristically eavesdrop on two people who know each other very well and are nerding out about a special interest together it's like what are we doing you know what I mean so so it's kind of fun that you get to be like oh I'm this like bestie by proxy listening to this amazing conversation parasocial relationship (laughs) that that's where I feel like podcasts really shine for sure yeah for sure all right what you got new to me shows I will be recommending maintenance phase until the day I die it is so freaking good I've been listening to a lot of audiobooks and podcasts in my gardening job which is like amazing I just get to like be with the plants and listen to audiobooks and not talk to people it's like I'm in my my crone era right now mm-hmm, mm-hmm. maintenance phase debunking wellness myths it's like the banter is top fucking notch it is like so thoroughly researched they're fun to listen to just like so good cannot recommend enough Aubrey Gordon who wrote the 19 myths or you should just need to lose weight in 19 other myths about fat people she is one of the hosts and then um Michael Hobbs I think is the name of the other guy and he's like he's a journalist so it's so good if you want like a little a little nonfiction moment that's also like hilarious gender spiral to I think Babette Thomas and Allie Beardsley is the team behind this. Allie Beardsley is a uh, a writer and actor there on a um, Dungeons and Dragons podcast called Dimension Twenty, and uh, the New Guys, uh, which is River Butcher and Gabe Dunn, who are two trans guys that are writers and actors. River Butcher is a comedian, and Pale Blue Pod, which is. Um, Moya McTeer, who I talked about the Milky Way book that I am mm-hmm. in the middle of that I want to finish. Um, she is half of this pale blue pod and it's all about like astronomy, but it's like from oh, a cool. black feminist lens uh, instead of, you know, not. So that makes it way better to learn about astronomy and the and space and shit and science uh, in a way that's like actually interesting and includes stories and uh, yeah, makes it a little easier to follow. So those are new to me shows for this year. Um, and then shows that have been on my rotation for a while now, Gender Reveal, Top Notch Trans Podcast, slash just podcast in general, interviews, artists, uh, current events, very good. For the Wild, uh, The Red Nation and The East is a podcast, both standouts, especially right now with everything that's happening in Palestine. Between the Covers is a podcast by the publishing, uh, by Tin House, the publisher. Um, so they interview mm-hmm. authors and the... David Naiman, I think, is the the interviewer, but he just always asks very good questions. So I enjoy listening to that. Embodied astrology, some of my fave horoscopes from like a somatic perspective. And also LeVar Burton Reads, always and forever. Always and nice. forever. Love him. <laughs> <laughs> what are you most looking forward to in 2024? Okay, let me start with saying today is December 9th and I am already looking forward to a new season of Bake Off even though it just finished one week ago but I love it and it's my comfort show um, so I'm always looking forward to it um, and I will be re-watching episodes until then. I'm also looking forward to passing my preliminary exam which is my proposal for my dissertation which I will be spending which the winter is break working on. different than the exams that you just took. Those were your qualified yes, exams. Yes the exam I just took is like defining my field and mm. now I will write the proposal for the study I want to do for my dissertation. So very exciting stuff. And I actually don't know if I told you this when we talked before we recorded, but I'm teaching a team materials class in the spring. That was a lot of work to be able to do that. um, And I'm very excited. So that's what I'm looking forward to in 2024. 
What are you looking forward to? You're going to learn them in 2024. They're not even ready. Oh, yes, yes, yes. I know. I know. I'm excited. <laughs> I am looking forward to spending more time in the garden with my plant bug and bird friends. I'm uh, hopefully going to be getting back into D&D with a campaign that my partner's going to uh, GM. And I'm also going to try and do more of the leaning into my art practice and then might go outside a tad more than I did this year and do some birding. Like I want to get myself some better binoculars, binos, and then go look at the birds outside. It's nice. It helps with my anxiety and depression and things. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now we have questions from you all. I asked on Instagram because that's all the only place we are now <laughs> um, for questions. Okay. Actually, I feel like I didn't put the names of the people who asked questions, um, but I did like screenshot everything. Oh, nice. So these questions came from multiple people. So from Queerthology, Gray Reads, uh, Rhea, Bibliophile, Diana, <laughs> who was just like, bestie so um lots of questions but first one how has YA fantasy changed since you started the podcast okay so we started the podcast in 2018 right yeah I think so I feel like the pace of the release of like I feel like the quantity has surged um as far as like you know creators from all sorts of different backgrounds especially marginalized backgrounds those seem to be getting Mm -hmm. um those seem to be front and center more, which is like, yes, more of that to the front. You mentioned the cussing. Maybe that's a, yeah. maybe that's a change. I feel like maybe books are a little shorter in the YA fantasy genre than mm-hmm. they were before. Yeah. That's, those are kinds of the things I'm noticing off the top of my head. What about, what do you think? No, I agree with that. I also think we're seeing like less of the books that are obviously written for adults that are being like, mm, sold to teens like less of the sarah j mass like oh we're gonna pretend this is a way book but it obviously is not right um and they have changed it since then so i think we see mm-hmm. less of that and like the books are actually written for young people that's not to say that like older people can't enjoy them because obviously we do right uh, but it's just been nice to see things that it's like oh this sounds like it's for them it like feels like it's for them you know it's just like more intentional maybe mm-hmm. oh i really like this next question how are you not bored of YA yet? Not in a derogatory way, but my own taste has drifted a lot in five years. How do you stay engaged? I mean, I would say for me, what really helps is I don't really read YA fantasy anymore outside of the podcast. Yeah, same. <laughs> I mostly just read it for this. And outside of this, I read, I have like a re- reviewing position now at the bulletin. And so I'm reading YA for that, but I haven't asked specifically for fantasy books. So some realistic fiction, picture books, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So I just kind of like, try and read other stuff and I read a lot of romance now way more than I have in the past and that's also been like something to break things up I'm reading more nonfiction, mostly for school and like my research and I think that just kind of helps me like pull back and like be more intentional about the way that we're going to read for the podcast yeah and we don't need to read everything and we've made this season shorter and it's like easier to be more intentional I think when you don't try and like take it all in totally I 100% echo that yeah, having the like little podcast container makes it yeah so we yeah. can just like hopefully pick some amazing stuff and then talk about it because we're you know it was one of the things that we first like connected on when we first met in mm-hmm. a library of all places surprise surprise <laughs> so yeah having having the container and having it I think it's like 
not boring because I know that I get to talk with you about it. Yeah. So even if it's like not my favorite book, like I know that the conversation is going to be interesting. So I think that maybe helps me because I'm always reading at this point, I'm reading YA through the lens of like, how am I going to talk about this with Jesse? Yeah, exactly. So like that makes it interesting to me. But if we didn't have the show, I, I don't know if I would be reading this much YA fantasy anymore. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like it kind of came out of this like Sarah J. Mass moment and we were both like, mm, there's like way more here that we need to discuss and talk about. It's not just like yeah. this person. So I still think that there's a lot to it. And also I think that the, like the whole teen experience, especially as like a, I don't know, freshly cracked egg myself that like, I'm, I think I'm starting to realize like why that age is so interesting to me. And maybe cause like I didn't yeah. get to have like formative experiences as myself. Like I was just like hardcore masking and operating as like, I don't know, this beep boop beep like robot by like observing what other like women around me were doing and very like bougie, like white centric upbringing and things like that. And just knowing that it, that was like such a small, having this like embodied knowledge that that's like not how the world is, but having the world being like around me, not reflecting this like knowledge that I had. And yeah, I just think that those like that this like quintessential teen experiences I think will always be interesting to to me. Yeah, just because when I was that age, I was yeah, like not coming into my own power in the way that you see people in these sorts of narratives doing. Um, I don't know if that makes any sense, yeah. but it does, yeah, for sure. All right, this question is obviously from Diana, the next two, and I know it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, what fictional food would you most want to eat or recreate? Mm. Um, we actually have had a, quite a few books with like a lot of food, like a uh, magic steeped in poison. Yeah. And that would be cool because it was just like lots of different things. And actually, I probably could be like, Diana, take me to some of these places where I can get this kind of food. <laughs> exactly. Um, but I also I also think Diana might enjoy Legends and Lattes because there's a lot of baking in that. And it's things that we have like in our work. Like I think they do like croissants. They might do macarons. I don't remember what else. But stuff that I like already know how to make. And that made it fun to like read about. So that that's me. What would you say? It's cute. I'm trying to think. I don't know if I have like a good answer for this one um i like your so i'll just plagiarize you and say that i want to be able to brew magical mm -hmm. teas i think that would be rad yeah yeah to know more about herbalism and stuff like that okay what are what are your favorite cookbooks jesse has like a whole ass list for y'all oh and i had to like whittle this down <laughs> so <laughs> um i would say pastry love by joanne chang dessert person by claire saffitz a New Way to Cake by Benjamina Ibui. She was on Bake Off. Uh, Savory Baking by Erin Jean McDowell. Diana got me that book. Bread Every Day by Jack Sturgis, which I just need to like shout out this book because Jack will never hear this, but I learned how to bake bread when I started making it homemade like seven years ago from Jack. And I was looking for a video to show me like how to knead bread properly because I'd never done it before mm -hmm. and there he was so i watched like all of his videos over the next few months and i would highly recommend checking him out for bread related questions especially those related to sourdough he's just like knows everything about bread love him and he's on like youtube and stuff noodle worship by tiffany and larone thompson diana doesn't know this but she got that book for me because she gifted me money for international like independent bookstore day those recipes are so good and then my king arthur baking books and 
I will like end this by saying that cookbooks are like really fucking expensive. Mm -hmm. So I recommend getting them from the library, trying out a few recipes to see if you like the way the author gives directions. Like, are they clear? Are they helpful? Like, do they give you good cues to know when things are done or when you're switching to a new stage and like how the food tastes at the end before you buy the cookbooks. And that's just like how I've decided to do it with like very few exceptions. Like Claire Saffitz is an automatic buy for me. The bread every day I bought like without, you know, uh, trying anything because I knew I trusted Jack. So yeah, those are my, those are my recs. Nice. I'm like writing mine down right now. <laughs> Cause mm-hmm, I mm-hmm. forgot. A few of mine that I really enjoy, Mark Bittman's Kitchen Matrix is always on rotation in my household. That one's kind of cool because it's like, as the like little matrix kind of indicates, it's like sometimes there'll be like these different like charts. It'll be like, okay, you want to make chicken or whatever. So you flip to the poultry page and then it's like, it gives you seven different ways to make fried chicken and it gives you like different recipes. um, like iterations with different like flavor profiles and stuff. So that one's fun to be like, okay, I have this, I have cabbage in the fridge or whatever. And you can look up in the index and be like, yeah. okay, what can I do with this or something? So that one's always good. I like Smitten Kitchen from Deb Perlman. I started getting, yeah, I, me too. I got into her. I, I first found her online on her blog, which is like so freaking extensive. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I will note for both of these people that there's like what we call in our household, a quote white person amount of seasoning. So we mm. make sure to up the up the ante a little bit with all the seasonings because I'm just like this quarter teaspoon of cinnamon is not going to suffice for this entire stew. Do you know what I mean? Like, uh, mm-hmm. so I'm like, mm, gotta like uh, change that around. And then another one that I will look up the author, but um, the Sioux the Sioux Chef's Indigenous Kitchen is very very good using like all sorts of native ingredients and um yeah stuff that you wouldn't necessarily see highlighted in some of these other books by colonizers so highly recommend that one as well what's the one book you can't stop thinking about from this year good or bad (laughs) Ooh, yes do you have an answer to this off the top of your head you want to go first yeah, probably revolution in our time for good because that history of the Black Panther Party was just like so good and very accessible because it was written for teens. Um, bad, Glow with the Flow because it was a book about periods. Um, and I feel like they were just like, how can I add a queer person, a black person, a, you know, whatever. Uh, and it's like they were just checking some boxes with real, but it was just like peak white feminism and I was just like not here for it. So that's the bad one I can't stop thinking about. And then the good one is the revolution in our time. Kelly has no books. <laughs> I no, I, I read nothing this year, y'all. For good, I would say Unmasking Autism. That book like blew my fucking mind this year. And so I haven't stopped thinking about it. I've reread it a few times. And they have like exercises and stuff in there, which is cool. And for bad, I feel like I just don't read them now. I just feel like nice. if I don't like a book, I just don't read it. <laughs> I just stop. So yeah, I, I I don't think I had any any bad ones this year. I guess that kind of answers our like favorite book of the year though, because I feel like if it's like yeah, because the next question is like what's your favorite book of the year? But I guess if we can't stop thinking about it, like for good, it's probably our favorite book of the year. Would, would you agree? exactly? Yeah, I would agree for sure. I would maybe put some memoirs on there, but oh, but yeah. yeah, for all for it all intents and purposes, that's only the one. Kelly, just one. God damn it! No, but we're beyond the binary here. <laughs> we're beyond only one. <laughs> 
Okay. And as we wrap things up, what are you, what is the one book you are most looking forward to reading next year? God damn it. No. <laughs> um, next year, I'm looking forward to A Tempest of Tea, Hafsa Faisal's. So I'm going to say that and then maybe I stole it from you. Yeah, you did. That was going to be mine. Yeah, I did. <laughs> <laughs> but I said it first, so I didn't steal it. Yeah. Uh -huh, uh -huh. Yeah, that is my most like Tracy Dion's not coming out with a book till 2025. So when this question comes up next year, that will be my answer. But uh, for now, yeah, Tempest of Tea. Huzzah! Thank you for joining us, everyone. Happy end to 2023. As always, we can we'd love to be in conversation with you. Hit up uh, at the Library Coven on Instagram. Jesse is there. Um, <laughs> you can also subscribe to the show on the podcast app of your choice, and we'd appreciate it if you rate and review and spread the word to other people who you think might enjoy it. If you're able to support our labor financially, you can make a one-time donation to us on Coffee. Um, you can support us monthly on Patreon or by shopping at our bookshop.org affiliate page. All of these books will be linked to that. Until next year, stay magical. Bye.